Today's scripture reading will be reading Romans chapter 12, verse 9 to 16. Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. This is the word of the Lord. We continue in virtual worship together. Are you getting used to it yet? I know some people really love it, especially the vignettes with families at home and the kids. It's really great. I've been looking at a couple of pieces of scripture over the last two or three weeks, and I think they are especially relevant for us as we continue to make the best of this time during the pandemic. The first is from the fourth chapter of Acts with a description of the earliest days in the church. Right after Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was fresh in their lives. Brand new to community, the people were on fire with the Holy Spirit. What stands out is the unity of spirit, unity of mind, and unity of stuff. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there was no needy person among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. And then we have the second text from Romans 12. We know that Paul was late to the party. In fact, he was responsible for persecution of the Jews and the earliest followers of Christ. But once he received the Spirit, he made up for lost time with church plants and lots of helpful correspondence. Paul wrote ahead to the church in Rome, hoping to get there. So this letter is full of detail concerning his rich theology, as well as a cheat sheet for keeping the spirit of community sustainable. Paul directs the people to love sincerely from the center of who they are. When I was working with a couple recently for their wedding, we were talking about the vows and whether or not they would use formal vows or write their own. And as we talked about it, what really impressed me was what they settled on, which was basically a version of the promise they had made to each other when they first decided to date. And it was very simply, you know, this is, a, this is a young man who was born and raised in Kensington Market, falling in love with a Japanese woman. And what they decided to, t- to do, first and foremost, was to tell the truth and not to lie to each other. 
Although I am sure, quite sure, that there is no one who doesn't think that that is uh, one of the foundational points of, of a good marriage, I'm pretty sure I have never heard that as a vow, not to lie and to tell the truth. So Paul encourages us to love sincerely from the center of who we are without pretense. To be devoted to one another. In Peterson's translation of the message, the language is playful and full of challenge for us. We're encouraged to practice playing second fiddle to support one another. Those of us being recorded for these online services continue to receive encouragement from you, hearing how much you appreciate what we're doing. And so here's a picture of what goes on behind the scenes. What you don't see when you look is what I can see when I'm looking here right now, an ad hoc studio set up in the sanctuary, all quiet on the set. In addition to all that Cheryl does and is figuring out about how to support the virtual church, she happened to mention to Alan some artwork on the walls would really add something to the services. So the production crew got busy and voila, all agreed it looked great. Second fiddle takes the day. We're also encouraged to make friends with nobodies. Earlier in the chapter, Paul warns us not to think we're better than we are. It's sometimes much easier to offer help than to receive it. For some who are naturally helpers and are used to being in a position to be able to help, it can be really tough to even recognize that we need help, and we do. Paul encourages us to be joyful in hope, not to give up. At different times, our very presence, maybe a phone call or text message, does exactly that. Much more than we know, our reaching out represents hope and it might ignite joy. I think especially that the children bring us this with their lack of self-consciousness, their innocence and in a way their distance from the fear that we carry in our hearts about all that's going on, it sparks joyfulness in hope. Paul goes on to say, and share with those in need. This is complicated by the restriction of isolation, but again, stories of people responding to the needs of others as they are able are tremendously encouraging. Some are getting comfortable with restrictions and finding the ways to remain in community. Here's some examples. On a virtual call with a ladies group recently, Myrna Geldart shared her pandemic highlight, which was after three or four months of being stuck in her house, she had a car ride to Dave and Mika's and got a haircut. She was overjoyed. So here's something that is so very small and yet bringing such great joy. There's a group effort between Marjorie, her mom Pauline, and I. We managed to come up with a comfortable pair of sandals after several tries. When she finally tried them on, she squealed and her voice went up an octave and a half. And she was so excited to say that she, this is what she said to me, once you say it's safe to come back, my nurse says I can come as long as I've got my mask on. 
So there she is. Eleanor is unable to access the online services, but she remains deeply, deeply a part of this community. It is in her heart, and she is in our heart. One morning recently, I was putting stuff in the car, getting ready to go to daybreak, and I uh, gave a wave to somebody coming down the street with a dog, waving before I knew who it was, and yes, Steve Rowley, eventually we do become our parents. So as the person gets closer, I recognize it's Cindy Underhill. So for those of you that have been going to the church that long, decades, I guess, Cindy used to attend this church regularly, and she lives just up the street from me. And although she lives up the street, in pre-COVID times, we don't see each other, hardly ever. But on this morning, we're talking, and we're catching up, and we're sharing prayer requests, and then she starts to ask about people. And she says, uh, what about Betty Cullen? And I said, oh, Betty's fine. And she's really enjoying the online services. And oh, she was so glad to hear that. She knew that Marion Duncan had passed away. But then she said, how is Richard Latimer? And I said, oh, Richard passed away. And she said, oh, when? He was such a nice man. And I realized that what she was doing was, in her mind's eye, she was going along the pew remembering the people that shared the pew with her many years ago when she attended this church. And I thought back to when I have encouraged you to remember the voices and the faces pre-COVID that you remember and to keep track of those people. These are like our neighbors. These are not our close friends that we would be in touch with anyway. But these might be the people that in 10 years' time, we would say, oh, whatever happened to, and fill in the blank there. In this pandemic, we're learning a new way to be church, which may include remembering neighbors in what used to be your familiar pew. I say used to be your familiar pew. God has been equipping each one of us with the opportunity to practice growth in our church. Unlike what we have always known, which is on Sundays you go to church, now we have to be the church wherever we are all the time. In addition to the two pieces of scripture that describe church at its best from the book of Acts and Paul's notes for curbing the habits that can in inhibit life in the spirit, here's a piece I came across from a Catholic theologian I really like, Ronald Rollheiser. Ten Commandments for Mature Living. Number one, gratitude, live in gratitude and thank your creator by enjoying your life. The highest gift we can give a gift giver is to enjoy the gift thoroughly. Number two, be willing to carry more and more of life's complexities and empathy to make peace with that so that that restlessness is no longer the center of our lives. Transform jealousy, anger, bitterness, and hatred rather than give them back in kind. Live a life that radiates charity over selfishness, joy over bitterness, respect over negative judgment, empathy over anger. Number four, let suffering soften your heart rather than burden your soul. 
a daily choice that determines both our maturity and our happiness. Forgive those who hurt you. Forgive your own sins. Forgive the unfairness of your life. We all carry wounds. And with those, we carry anger, bitterness, and unforgiveness. I like this one. <clears throat> Bless more and curse less. When we act petty, we get to feel petty. When we act like God, we get to feel like God. And God is never depressed. Live in more radical sobriety. A recovering alcoholic said, sobriety is only 10% alcohol or drug. It's 90% about honesty. Pray effectively and liturgically. This is number eight. Beyond formal prayer, we're asked to make our lives a prayer. Number nine, be wide in your embrace. Come out from behind doors. We have locked because of fear. Begin to redefine family so that our sun shines on those we love and those we don't love. Stand where you are supposed to be standing and let God provide the rest. Be faithful to who we are and what we believe in and trust that that is enough. Thinking ahead to the Lord's table, Paul's cheat sheet includes encouragement to practice hospitality. Not exactly a COVID-friendly idea. But we remember that Paul said, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, and again, that's not a particular piece of bread or cup of juice. What matters is that we eat and drink with each other in mind, remembering that the food nourishes our body, but it is the love of Christ and the love in Christ that fills, nourishes, and sustains our soul. So let us not forget, take church with us wherever we go, and I hope to see you soon. Amen.